friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and angriest inch, Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, guys, before we uh, get to this night's set, this gig, a little business, guys. Please take a second and leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Especially if that to be Apple Podcast app. It helps us out a lot, guys. It's a way to fight back against the repressive algorithmic overlords. Uh, takes but a second of your time. Means the world to us. For those of you who've been doing it, thank you guys so much. We do read them, and it actually helps bolster our souls. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, uh, with uh, your ideas for movies you'd like to hear covered, new old themes, double feature, guest host, whatever you want, we want to give it to you. Find us on all your social media so you can share the show with your friends, and uh, that's another great way to get a hold of us. Also now, you can join the Film Alchemist Patreon account. Yay! So, for almost no investment at all, to a lot of investment, you can help the show grow. Uh, we have a Discord server where we're always there chatting with people, growing our community. You'll have Zoom calls. You'll have the ability to choose and help us program the show. Uh, merchandise, all kinds of awesome stuff over at our Patreon page. You can find that on any of our social media accounts in our link tree. Uh, you will be able to find us on Patreon now. Uh, come and join the brood. All right. That's enough business. I'm very excited about the Patreon. It's been a long time coming. Uh, we have an awesome community here, so it's been really cool to get a chat with people more personally. Uh, so keep on coming, guys. Keep inviting your friends. All right. That's enough of the business. It's time uh, for our gig. Tonight we will be covering Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Alex, I got to say, this month has been spectacularly awesome. Um. Hedwig, this might be the first month where I was like, I might legitimately on Letterboxd give two of these movies a perfect five out of five. Uh, I feel like Hedwig is kind of the down and dirty, real world, uh, two-faced, dark twin of Sing Street. And it works in the exact same beautiful way, right? It's, it's full of intimacy and rage and power. And whereas Sing Street is about the hope and optimism of young, young art, right? Hedwig is about... When you are a person who's been left uh, in the dust, right? When you're a broken husk and the world just keeps taking and taking and taking from you. And you say, you know what? I will craft my own narrative. And you just grab the world by the beard and say, listen up, you fuck. And no matter how idiosyncratic or weird or whatever, when you're on that fucking stage, you are screaming in the face of the world that has betrayed you. And I, I love that fucking essence in this film. Alex, your opening thoughts on... Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I just can't believe it took this long for us to do a musical. This is weird. Um, <laughs> is this our look, first musical? I think so, yeah. Wow, almost 300 episodes in, yeah. <laughs> I think it is, yeah. I mean, this is the first one that... This is at least the first full-blown stage-to-movie adaptation we've done. Um, besides that, though, like, I first... Sort of, I love this show anyways. Like, I think the show is great. Um, we actually had a friend who did it a long time ago. Uh, Shouts out Stevie Barickian. Stevie Barickian. There is probably no one on earth who loves the show more than Stevie B. Uh, this is his true fucking champion. Show, yeah. <laughs> he fucking loves Hedwig. This is like his favorite. Um, we've had many conversations about it. But look, I agree with everything you said. Everything about Hedwig is so raw and visceral and real. And yeah, it is like this horribly downtrodden version of sing street actually i lied this is actually the version of this is the after of sing street this is the sequel where everyone's like dude this did not go our way like that i mean but <laughs> this is like the ira version i honestly like at the end of the day hedwig is just so well well thought out and well plotted and like for a movie that is essentially a musical like it works the exact same format. There is absolutely no difference other than maybe a couple of like camera moves, 
but there is almost no difference between how this movie is presented and how the play is presented. So like when I see it, I view the movie as a musical itself and God, it is just so fucking beautiful. Everything about it is so great. And the stuff they do to adapt for the film itself is so well done, especially like his, um, <clears throat> her memories and, uh, her fantasies, even everything the is so the journal great. Drawings, so yeah. the journal, everything is so beautiful and so well constructed. I, I think this was John Cameron Mitchell's first fucking movie too. Like it's crazy yeah. to me. This yeah. would be one of someone's first movie. I, yeah. I, I, I could not say nicer. I could not say enough nice things about it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, well, it's not even just I point the camera at the stage show that's already popular. Right. Again, this gets back to what I was saying with 12 Angry Men is I resent people who just make a film based on other mediums and they don't try to make it as cinematic as possible. Right. I think the use of visuals in this movie is breathtaking because what this movie does really well is it, it melds all of these realities, right? So there's the sad, harsh reality of trying to perform for a bunch of, uh, you know, giant Midwestern old people who don't care at a buffet, right? Wait, what's a, it's a seafood place called, is it Bilgewaters? Yeah, right? <laughs> I <laughs> so fucking like, love that you're name. You're at the Bilgewaters. Bilgewaters. Yeah, and you're just belting it out for like eight olds that don't care, right? They're like, God, I just am here for the B's and G's. And now yeah. I've got, you know, Hedwig and the Angry A's. Like, what's happening? And so they have no interest in it, right? So right. you take those sad realities. We only see Hedwig in these, you know, really kind of tragic performative moments for how mm -hmm. amazingly talented it is, right? Yeah. But then you start blending the the journals, the drawings, the narrations. Uh, Hedwig interchanging with his younger self, right? So we see modern, uh, the modern character that Hedwig has crafted himself into taking the place of young Hansel. So this mm -hmm. leaping back and forth of all these things so seamlessly to the sound of the film, right, and the songs, what it does is he uses all these visual tools to crash all of these realities into one kind of primordial ooze that yeah. is just pure pure emotion. Yes, I think that's the thing that this movie does, and this is another reason I love this, because I agree, I think this month is amazing. Yes. We picked amazing movies, <laughs> but like, it's another reason I fucking love just like movies about music particularly is like music is so subjective like you can sit there and talk like there are bands that no one will ever like that i think are wonderful and i think that's like the thing that's so important about music is it expresses something that you can't do in movies you can't do with um i guess you can probably do it in plays because you have musicals but like singing and performing is such a naked art and it's really fascinating when you watch someone who's been through as much as Hedwig perform. And John Cameron Mitchell puts in this performance is just so real. I mean, Every, for, like, for the fucking ages. It, it shouldn't. In, this is like the, like in any other context, any other actor doing this part in this particular movie rings so false. Like, I, I cannot tell you how, like, when watching this movie, be like, I feel like any other actor, if you're not on stage, doesn't understand how to do this and like comes off just over the top drag queen, doesn't understand how to do it properly, like makes this a joke. It feels so real and tragic. There's nothing humorous about the music. I mean, it, 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 I should be laughing during that during the song where she describes the sex change operation. The Angry Inch song should be hilarious. I, I'm almost crying, honestly. Like, it's such a sad song, and it's so fucking powerful. I, I It's it's such a great... It's a, That's the power of Hedwig, man. It's the right. power of this movie. Well, what... Because what I think is... Hedwig is one of those movies, and this performance especially, it's one of those where you, this feels like an app... And it's so funny to say for... The character Hedwig, who somewhat the whole movie is him grappling with who he or she is, right? Right. Um, I was telling you, this is kind of like one of those is he transgender? Is he a drag queen? Is you know, does he identify male feel like it's just this right. kind of moving target. Hedwig is trying to decide who and what he wants to be from the the ashes of 
this tragic origin, right? Mm -hmm. So for a character who doesn't even know who they are, we, the audience, know exactly who he is. His right. soul and his heart is so fucking exposed that it becomes – it's one of those performances that just feels like that's a real person that exists in this world. Even yes, though, as you said, absolutely. it's this kind of over-the-top cartoonish person at times, but it, it feels so fucking real, right? Yeah. And the Angry Inch song is a beautiful example of this this screaming in the face of a world that leaves you behind because – well, you're saying you're sad, and it is sad. It's tragic to think about what happened, right? That, you know, when his his mom and Luther are like, if you want to cut ties, you got to leave something behind. And his mom agrees, and they do that on this doctor. Ah! And his mom's there taking a picture. It's like a horrific moment, right? Yeah. And you just cut into this, ah, this fucking rage. And there's that couple right in front of them that are like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. And they just keep performing like they're in the biggest stadium full of 100,000 fans, and they're just screaming into the void. And, you know, the guy stands up and screams at them and elicits a reaction. And so I was like, fuck, yeah, man. That's what I thought watching. I was like, fuck, yes. Like, the lyrics are brilliant. They're tongue-in-cheek funny. It's awesome. But I was just like, fuck, we can all relate to that yeah. moment of, and that's what music does differently, right? Because it's hard to keep someone emotionally engaged for the length of a feature film. It's hard to elicit that much personalized emotion from a painting or any other form of art, right? Right. Music is so fucking condensed, and it is the darkest magic we have as a species. Because right. I was trying to explain this because my son's starting to dabble into music. And you can just play a song, and you can watch his body physically alter and change and react, right? Yeah. And nothing else does that like music. And for Hedwig to weaponize music against this world that fucking wants to ignore him and hide him and he's no fuck you you cannot do this to me and that moment when they freeze right and Hedwig kind of pauses as the fight's going on in slow motion and he sees the reaction that his music and his words have put into the world mm -hmm. that got me man that was that was chills I thought that it, was just fucking perfection it's a great I mean that scene is so I fucking love that scene so You know much, what man. scene really did it for me though? I'll let you go on this, but uh the I pulled the wig down off the shelf song. Yeah. That's the movie. Oh yeah. That's the movie in microcosm, right? That's like your I mean that's like in like in the musical world, that is the that is the fucking note to go out on right there. To like your intermission. Like that's what that's why people want to come back. Yeah. Cuz like I always <laughs> Like when I get, when I've seen musicals and I've done musicals and that kind of thing, like the first act for me is always more entertaining than the second because the second one is always like pretty much where the plot has to happen. The first one like gears you up and you get to sing all the fun, the more fun songs. Hedwig draws me back and I have to see the rest of it. Like after the fucking pull your wig, when I pull the when the after the pulling the wig down song, like pull the wig down song, it's I gotta know, man, because also we still haven't addressed any. Of the like exterior things that are going on, especially with like Michael Pitt's character, Tommy Gnosis. So, like, there's a whole other world we don't necessarily know about yet. All we've gotten through right now is we've gotten to the point where we understand where Hedwig is coming from and why she's doing what she's doing. And that I think is like, that's mind blowing to me, man. Like, that part is particularly mind blowing to me. It is like, that's as far as we get in this movie from the top. And I'm enthralled the entire time. But I, I want to talk about there's the beat in that fight scene when she jumps mm -hmm. and she has that floating moment. I I, I grabbed onto that, man. I don't yeah. know what it is. Like, I can't tell it. Like, is it a dream sequence itself or what's going on? I think that is the moment that is kind of illustrating because this is where we soar. And again, this is kind of crashing all the reality. So this plays is almost theater of the mind for most of right. the movie right okay and so i think that's the moment when we slow down and see the reaction of the fighting to the angry inch song right and somewhat flies and floats and narrates us into sad and broken on the couch luther is leaving with someone else right and we know a little bit about luther that there was something going on right some kind of affair uh there was a marriage talk come with me botch sex change like it seems dark and essentially she Hedwig finds himself just left in this trailer. And the moment I liked is it starts as this very soft and quiet, you know, 
this broken person song. Like, how much more can I take? And that 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 line that just captures the essence of music and punk rock in this movie, which is, you know, I put on some makeup, I put the eight track on, and I put the wig back on my head. I think we can all relate to that. That feeling of like, fuck, how much more do I have to take? But then you'll hear that song or see that show or hug your kid, whatever it is that gives you that fucking power. What's the wig that you put back on, right? And the wig becomes this brave face, right? That's how my mom used to say it, right? Right. Put your brave face on and don't let them, you know, see you cry, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Hedwig's just happens to be this wig, right? And even in the song, we see him trying on multiple wigs, right? Almost like Luther gave him a wig that didn't seem right, right? I miss Beehive Midwest. Right. In that moment when he sees the one wig and it's, oh, and it's coming down like the fucking Excalibur, right? And he's like, yeah. now I miss Farrah Fawcett. Love and then he, he ends on, you know, now I miss Punk Rock Queen. And it was like, yes, that is the song. Because that song, right, that's, that's the crutch. If you watch that beat and you're not vibing with the movie, you will not partake in what's happening, right. which is this is a person who refuses to let the world bury them. Right. And so I will take these hardships and whatnot and craft. And even the, the opening of the trailer park becoming the stage. Yeah. Right. Oh, like, I love and that. Just singing this giant hair metal kind of music video look amongst this trailer park. It's it's the power. Right. And that's what I love. Right. Because there's a scene that I latched on to a lot more this time because I had somewhat space that the narrative is uh him ghosting or i guess not ghosting but uh mirroring tommy gnosis's tour right well they're the following tommy it's like that. a it's like a spite tour yes and that had kind of drifted to the back of my mind but the scene when they're at the the men's men's festival Menzies, Menzies fair yeah and the way hedwig sees the one person and just <sighs> okay sits down and says come up here and they even telling oh. one person his truth or her truth in that story, right? And the fact that the band never questions any of this. The band is fully in. You know, it's it's this it's a, it's just a fucking beautiful sentiment, right? That having anyone hear you is worth it. Because by the end of the movie, Hedwig's a pretty complicated character, right? You could even say Hedwig's a, an abuser by the end of this movie, right? A little bit, yeah. That his pain has turned uh her abusive. So I think these moments of bonding us so close to the character make it make it easier for us to honestly assess the character by the end of the film, which gives it that extra layer of honesty. Yeah. I yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I think that I think honesty is a key word for this entire movie. Like there's nothing more honest than and again, which is weird because do you cuz the as the realities crash around, don't you get the sense that maybe Hedwig is not an absolutely honest narrator? I think that there's a lot of embellishment, in creative the license. <laughs> yeah, I mean everyone's the it's interesting because they always say everyone's the hero of their own story, you know. But Hedwig for a majority of the origin is the victim. Yeah. So when she does put the wig on, that is when she becomes a hero. And what's interesting is, yeah, she transitions to more of this, like kind of honestly sort of abuser, like manipulator role. Like when they, I mean, not sort of when, when Hedwig, when they explain that passport up, was that too? That's hard to watch because at that point we're rooting for Hedwig. We love Hedwig. We feel emotionally hurt for Hedwig. And seeing Hedwig turn that pain into a cudgel against someone else is fucking hard to see. It's it's an interesting thing. Like she's technically an unreliable narrator, I guess, by like standard definition. But for me. One thing that is always true is the songs. And I think that's a really important thing about. That's the thing I always loved about like the spite tour vibe is like, so she's touring to spite Tommy Gnosis, who's much more famous, who's also stolen some of her songs. They're spite touring, but those songs, which are 
in the context of when we see Hedwig perform, they're supposed to tell the truth about Hedwig, also tell the truth about Tommy in a lot of ways. When you realize that he's also performing these songs, like everything about the songs is truth. It's the narration that is, like you said, unreliable. It's the music, though, that tells the truth of the whole story. And I think that's a really important thing because as music subjective and as, you know, listening to lyrics and reading lyrics, like you might glean something that I don't or I might glean something that you don't. That is like the beauty of music itself. It's the whole point of a tastemaker and the whole point of having taste and certain taste to begin with. So for me, it's fascinating to watch two characters tell the same story honestly with the same songs, knowing full well that they're not nece- neither are necessarily lying. Neither are necessarily reappropriating music in a way that would make them false. They're simply telling well, their truths. Yeah, and it's weird because they're using this abstract, you know, language to tell their stories, right? So Absolutely. Tommy and Hedwig are both creations in a way. Totally. Right? And in the songs, there's that great, not to jump all the way to the endings, we got a lot to unpack there. But at the end, when Tommy and now Hansel again, I guess, are looking face to face, dressed as each other, and he's singing Hedwig's song as we've seen it, and Hedwig mm-hmm. is crying. It reminded me very much, I remember seeing the movie Coco, right? And just being mm-hmm. crushed by how beautiful that movie was, right? But someone pointed out later, and I can't believe it had slipped my mind, that why Remember Me is such a beautiful song and one of the best movie songs ever is because it illustrates that that double-edged sword of the, the rock star mythology, right? Which is when uh, Coco's dad sings it to her, he's asking her, right? It's her song, right? Yeah. Please remember me. I love you. When, you know, Hector sings it or whoever the fucking famous guy was, right? Yeah. When he sings it, He's begging people to remember him as the man who makes this song worthwhile. He's taking them out of it. So it's the exact same song with the exact same lyrics with pretty similar performance, but absolutely polar opposite meanings. And that was a really awesome illustration of how, how that works, like you're saying, right? To where they can both be saying the same thing and be liars and honest at the same time. Yeah. I mean... The circumstances by which oh, I think it's Ernesto. The circumstances Ernesto, by which er, that's right, Ernesto de la Cruz. Ernesto de la Cruz. The circumstances yes. by which Ernesto de la Cruz came across the song versus like how Tommy and Hedwig might have written their songs, <laughs> obviously different and <laughs> certainly less certainly less complicated. You um, could say that the, you could say that Tommy emotionally poisoned Hedwig. <laughs> All right, maybe it's not nearly as different as yeah. I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that's most telling about the movie. And I think that's the thing that I love about this kind of movie is because a lot of the time when you translate musicals from the stage to the film, like a lot gets lost. And I think that's something that's really visceral about performance. And people have tried a lot, like the Les Mis they did a few years ago with Hugh Jackman, like they all sang live to camera and that kind of thing. And there is something that gets lost, but I do think there's something that lies in the throat of punk rock. Like to me, mm. that is, I think the most important thing about the whole movie is that the reason Hedwig works as a movie and as a play equally. So is because this music is punk or this music feels like it's from the gutters. Like I feel, I feel like I'm sitting there live watching it. I feel like I'm seeing a band live doing this. Like it's a really important emotion and a really important vibe to put out. And I think that's what gives such emotional honesty to all of the movie is these performances. And I keep going back to this, but it's just so important to like the reason Hedwig works is because it feels live. Everything about it feels real. Even though it's a movie, it feels live. And I feel like I'm living that moment. I feel like I'm getting I'm feel like I'm getting sweated on, man. That's a really important thing, especially in the yeah. fucking Bilgewater seafood buffet, punk rock clubs, <laughs> whatever you want to call yeah. it, man. That is the spirit of punk. That is the spirit of punk rock. That's yeah. the spirit of like DIY music. So Which for is me, weird because it plays like a fairy tale to me. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the crazy thing is like 
everything about it should seem, yes, like super false, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And nothing about it feels false. Even though Hedwig is, yes, an unreliable narrator. And she's right. the hero, victim, abuser, manipulator of all her own stories. I still feel like I'm being told a true and honest thing. And I think that's a really vital part about this movie is even though Hedwig fucks up a lot, I still root for her at the end of the movie. Like I'm still rooting for her yes. the entire movie. And I, yeah, well, I think that's an important thing. Cause I think a lot of movies do this kind of white knight thing where our leading person is just a hero, like a good person doing great things. Right. I think it's important to real, to show that, you know, Hedwig was traumatized and his, you know, the, uh, his partner who he makes dress like Brett Michaels, you know, <laughs> Like that's that's him passing on some of the abuse, right? That he's not, yeah. you know, she's taking it out on others, and it's not this perfect, you know, this this just perfect heroine, right? And again, it's I, I, people our age will remember the the wars, right? It's one of my least favorite conversations, right? Like, is it a horror movie, right? But we used to do that. Is it punk rock? Because we were around when Green Day came and kind of shifted the axiom, yeah, right? Everyone's, everyone Where, has to have the sellout heard, conversation. Yeah, because yeah, we had Dookie, and you're like, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, you would see these older dudes at like the record stores. Fuck you, that's not real punk. You don't know all about right. real punk. All the time. And, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know if punk's a genre. I always thought a punk is, if you're more worried about speaking truth to power than, you know, making these operatic rush-like compositions right if it's about energy and saying fuck you to people that need to hear that that's That's punk so i don't know what hedwig is all i know is that hedwig embodies that with i think they say in sing street right what kind of tyranny could stand up to that and they say it about duran duran (laughs) but i think hedwig is is the prime example of that because this is something that that I, i think me and you right is two straight white guys that grew up in the midwest there's a very homogenized effect of the the place we grew up, right? And what we so. see and the way people react to things. And again, I love seeing Hedwig dropped in these, you know, kind of staples of what looks like the world I grew up in. And I think what is beautiful about the songs is as weird and idiosyncratic as they get, I think it's it's that I will be seen and I will be heard, right? And the, the ability to go into those places... You know, like you see it in the scene when um, Hedwig writes the song where she has all the uh, Korean lady accompaniment. Yeah. And just sings it right to Michael Pitt. And the people in that room are really getting into it. You know, that's before like the full Queen Hedwig, right? Where it's like more in your face. It's just singing. And she's, you know, kind of toned down and this and that. But you see the starts of what what it's going to be. And just the, the ability of that music to say, fuck you right in someone's face as they're sitting right there who doesn't want you to be entering their homogenized world. I thought that was really cool, you know? And that's, that's something I always liked in music. Cause it can be, if you listen to some of the lyrics and this and that, you're like, what? That doesn't feel like my world, but sure. that's what, that's what these things do. There's a universality to the emotion of it. And that is fucking punk as hell to me. I agree. I think, the sentiment of punk is much more important than the actual sound. Uh, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's either, I mean, it's either Dave Grohl or Billy Joe Armstrong said, there's nothing more punk than three friends who can play three chords getting together and starting a band. That's like the essence of what all this is. And I mean, I think that that's, like, yeah, what is that? What is that famous quote, which is, God, I I know I've told you this before, but it was the uh, I won't let lack of talent stop me from saying what I need to say. Some punk band that was kind of their famous thing is you know we have uh we have less talent than words we have to say or something like that, and that's the sentiment, right? Right. It's like I just need you to look at me, and if I have to be loud and obnoxious to do that, that's where we're going. Right. I mean, that's. Again, this is the essence of the movie itself, too, is like I have something for you to I like the reason you spite tour someone is because you have something to say to them. It might be the exact same thing they're saying to 50,000 people every night, but they have you have something to say to them. And it's important. And the important thing is that you're saying it like it's not the matter of 
I'm getting famous saying it. It's the matter of saying it to begin with. And I think that's a really, it's a really impactful thing. And I think that's like, like when they go like flat broke at the end, right before like Tommy Gnosis shows up, which the limo thing is like probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But like when he shows up, like she's obviously doing something not right, not great. Streetwalk and cheetah life. Hey, Can making money where you gots to make money. Kept making that money. I don't begrudge Jeez. anyone making money. <laughs> no, yeah. Hey, look, do your thing. Like, I don't care. Um, but when they get in the limo, it's the first time we see it's the first time we see them together since like they kind of like we see in the past they broke up. By the way, that scene where we first are introduced to Michael Pitt in the bathtub might be one of my most favorite shot scenes in a movie. It is shocking. Well, there are things where you just go, hold on. I have questions. Yeah. Right. Cause you're like, like so uh, one Michael Pitt is in some kind what? of communal area. And he's like in this very large tub, I'm going to furiously masturbate and make all the <laughs> splashing sounds with the door open. So all you're the splashing like, with the door open. Yeah. Little Jesus boy. Right. Uh, he's making choices, right? And then Hedwig walks by holding a baby. And then is like, let me sit this baby down so I can fucking... Let me sit this baby down and... Yeah, get the little bishop in the turtleneck, as he says earlier in the film. Yeah. And it's a weird... Because it, it feels somewhat the opposite of the Luther meeting, right? Because Luther's is very much, you know, this handing the forbidden fruit of the... Yeah. The, the, the gummy bear, right? Uh-huh. And Hedwig comes back. This one feels more. It doesn't feel as predatory, right? This no. is like a you know. Oh, look at this man! I can help him out. Quick, 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 quick. Uh, hopefully wipe <laughs> the hand off before I pick the baby back up. God and willing. then we're just in, right? Knock Throws a Hedwig yep. card in the tub, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is so the amount of decisions Hedwig had to process in such a short amount of time. It's it's a lot to take in, but then it culminates in that lovely singing as Michael Pitts watching through the shrubbery. And it's just a stunning moment, right? So we got to walk through this Gnosis journey because what really dawned on me this time, and I'm sure it was more obvious, I was just a little younger and didn't really stop to think about this more, is watching Hedwig crafting Tommy, right? So essentially mm -hmm. Hedwig crafts who Tommy becomes. Right. Uh, Tommy desperately wants to be crafted, much like young young Hedwig or young Hansel kind of did. It right. feels like a, a mirrored but not as sad version, right? And there was this fucking sadness in the idea of Hedwig saying, love me from the front, right? You know, the not kissing and this and that. There's a real fucking whore to that. There's like this body whore element. Of no matter what Michael Pitt says and does and puppy dogs and all they're building and working on, he cannot look Hedwig in the eye and honestly love her. And it's it's fucking sad, man. It, it was it was brutal. And then that kind of put this spin on it where you start wondering, was Hedwig creating Tommy Gnosis as the character that he wishes he had become instead of Hedwig? Sure. And so really more than Tommy loving her, he wanted his possible future self to love her, his, his new self or her new self. I mean, it's, it's very always, fluid like that. Well, no. And I always, to be honest with you, just based on like the, based on the way Hansel looks before the botch and the way Tommy Gnosis looks moving forward through the film, like, and especially at that end scene, like when um, he's performing in um, Hedwig, who's like de dragged herself, walks into this, walks like into this back of the stage, like they're mirror images. So I would totally agree. Like Hedwig's creating this version of, I guess, Hansel or a version of Hansel or her just in general, a version of Hansel Hedwig that is free of pain that is free of like, like that can forget all these terrible things that have happened. Like can be completely remade because Tommy's not damaged yet. Tommy's just, I don't know, Tommy. Well, the, the ending is so complicated, right? It's almost like a Twin Peaks thing, like walking into the Black Lodge. So oh, yeah. 
watching because my thing is is I have to question if everything that happened after the car crash is real because Tommy and oh I assume none of it's real. yeah Tommy and Hedwig in the car that makes sense Tommy tries to do the like right like the little carrot like and Hedwig and she Hedwig's like perfect but then when they start fighting about the song like you know it's Osiris there is no god in a way like you fucked up and Tommy just goes I know like that felt like a very real intimate moment and when the crash happens right then we get like the spinning Batman like the papers and the hotel lady Tommy on the run which feels like what Hedwig wants so there's a lot of this, even maybe in the alley, that's where we're not seeing everything as it. But it feels real to me up until the crash. Yeah. I mean, I think right? that the. Is I think this post- a moment? Let me let me run this by you. Is this a moment where they have that moment of you fucked up? I know. And no matter how that night ends, it's so unsatisfactory. Because the last shot of the movie is Hansel D. Hedwigged right. walking butt naked through an alley. Is that the true chronological ending to that limo moment? Is that real or is that just a kind of a philosophical moment? I got to tell you, the post limo crash, for me, everything about it is philosophical dream, like dream world type thing. I think they died completely. Really? I do. I think they died together, and this is like their house that Jack built, Journey Into Night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't – because there's so much in the ending, right? Hedwig kind of now has obtained this fame, has this hip audience. uh, It's like this super version of Hedwig, right? I think the wig has even changed, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a little more – It's like um, that dude from Poison. Yeah, and so – but there's there's some things that I want to kind of get into, right? Is Hedwig unveiling the inner Hansel. It felt strange to watch because Hedwig had become this 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 armored persona, right? The drinking on the tires, very the proselytizing, right? There was the sermon on the tires, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. And and so for Hedwig to abandon that to become whatever is left of Hansel to see the partner, uh, you know, Brett Michaels, you know, kind of unveil from the rent hoodie in the, you know, stubble in the bandana to this, you know, kind of ultra course singer look. Yeah. There, there's a lot of just shedding these identities, right? And I don't know if the film's telling us those identities were false or it's trying to show us a little of what's inside. Were they happier in that moment? Because at the end, when the partner tries to put the wig back on Hansel, he stops. It's yours now. You can be the the front, the singer. You can be your own Hedwig now, essentially, right? You can go. Because there's that great shot that's like the stylist from the start of the movie trying on Hedwig's wig, you know, in the hotel room alone. And it's, I don't know if it's saying that the Hedwig persona is not needed anymore. Uh, what did you make of some of this? There's a lot to unpack in the imagery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, the straight again, white guy, walk me through this complicated. Well, if, well, if I have to mansplain the whole thing to you, I guess I will. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, honestly, we're doing the like, best with what we got. That's all we can do, guys. <laughs> um, to me, like I said, like I think they're dead. I think all of this is a fever dream, and I think everything. So is this heaven or hell for Hedwig then becoming Hansel again? I think it's, I think it's heaven to be honest with you. I I think that's an optimistic viewpoint because not a lot of this movie is optimism, but I like to think this movie ends on a happy note, which in which that Hansel, like you said, like Hedwig is the armor. Hansel doesn't need Hedwig anymore to be part of the world or because I mean, this is so hard to explain, but the movie is based on us. So abstract. Yeah. Falling in love with and believing the absolute earnest reality of Hedwig. Right. Even as we talk about Hansel, he's almost a, one of her drawings, right? 
Mm -hmm. And so at the end to deconstruct that and rip that away, even more than it just being a male thing, it felt like just exposing one's inner self, right? Yeah. No, I don't think in... (sighs) I know, obviously, like there's a larger gender conversation that I'm not smart enough to have. But in my own dumb way, I would say that this movie, especially at the end, feels much more about the identity of somebody's inner self as like as it pertains to just how you feel about how you reflect the world. Like to me, again, I don't know enough about gender politics, but I do know that people feel uncomfortable all the time around other people. I feel uncomfortable all the time around other people. So to strip yourself bare in front of someone during your big moment, like that to me is such an, that to me is such an important piece in the movie. And then, yeah, Hansel walks in, sees Tommy Gnosis, but then he, almost wakes up in the like pristine format version we were talking about in the scene where he rejects the wig, which is why I do think like this is now accepting that he doesn't need the armor anymore. So yeah, to speak. cause even more than that, again, I don't think it's like this, this turning down of the Hedwig persona, but that last shot, right? Let's assume that's whether that's real or not. Right. Walking through that alley fully exposed, right? What someone would see right away, right? What most people are going to see is not just, oh, there's a naked man. There's a naked man with his dick chopped off, right? That's how, that's like the crude way most of our brains would react. Like, that's something that's not right. It's an in-between thing. Right. But what I think that moment is telling us is here is this person who is no longer hiding their trauma. Yes, that you that's will, a great you way to will put fucking it. see what has happened to me and you will have to learn to live in a world with it because yes. I will not hide it anymore. That and is a I, good way to put it. And I don't think that Hedwig is I think I described it as armor, which I think it is in a way, but I don't think it's armor meant to hide the trauma that maybe through Hedwig is how we can get to that last shot real or imagined. You know, that is the, the trauma has to be unfurled no right? i don't that's think the whole arm- point of the music i don't think of it as armor to hide the trauma i think it's armor to live your day to like live through the day as headwing you have to be tough and there's a lot of right like well, that it's, is it's what one it is. thing to sing a song at a you know fucking cracker barrel i have an angry inch right. it's another thing to walk exposed out into the world right. and let people see that i think we all tell stories about our traumas and our pain right that are curated right it's much uh, it's almost impossible to let someone see the exposed wound right well i think that's a really important thing about like you think about stories you tell like specifically about stories you tell about yourself things that have happened to you harrowing experiences the ones that you're willing to tell are rehearsed they're storytelling moments like Mm -hmm. you know how you're going to tell that story i have them you have them everyone has them you know how you it's the same way people describe like couples when they tell how they met. It's a rehearsed gag. Like that's part of it. Mm. What's really, really important about that ending shot is this is the first part of the movie, the first part of Hedwig's story that is not rehearsed. Like everything we've seen to that point, while might be honest, is a rehearsed storytelling moment. Like, you know the beats. You know what you have to hit. You know what's going to get the crowd going. You know what's going to get your people moving. It's when you're walking naked through an alley by yourself out into the world knowing full well that you have to now just bury yourself. That's not a rehearsed moment. That is yeah. that is pure improv, so to speak. And I think that's a really yeah. important part about what the journey for Hansel Hedwig is, is that coming to grips with being not necessarily being okay with your trauma, but coming to grips with, like you said, telling the world, like, this is my experience. You will have to live with it. I don't really know what to tell you. Otherwise, like telling the, like being okay with telling the world to get out of your way, I think is the thing that's really important. Not screaming at them, but telling them to get out of your way. Hedwig would scream and that is okay too. But to be okay enough to tell the world simply like I'm moving forward here. That's a really, it's a really important moment, I think. 
And that's why I think the ending yeah. is, it's why the ending hits so fucking well. So well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I think that last shot too is just magic, man. Yeah, and it's it's a really quiet, somber way. Again, we're looking at the back, not the front. Right. Um, you know, we're loving Hedwig from behind in a way in that shot, you know, kind of like Michael Pitt was. It's 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 just visually beautiful the way it wraps up. And I think that's the thing, is that the more you start thinking about the movie, you know, this this kind of forbidden goomy fruit uh Garden of Eden thing, right? The what Hansel leaves behind in Germany is not five inches, it's it's Hansel. Yeah. Right? Agreed. And and brought to the states to be what Luther is designing him to be, what his mother tells him he should be. Mm-hmm. Um and then just starts crafting a narrative that she desires, right? Yes. The you know, I'll just put my wig on and face this fucking thing down. And and I think that's that's what I'll remember, right? Those moments, because uh, there's that great little beat when Michael Pitt and uh, Hedwig are, you know, it's this romantic, there's laundry flowing. It's it's like a Princess Such Bride shot. Such a good scene, yeah. And then Michael, I think it's Tommy Gnosis puts his hand down the front of Hedwig's yep. pants and is, <gasps> what's that? Is if there's any fucking possibility that that is something that would completely shock him, right? Right. And I think what we're led to believe is not that Tommy wouldn't have known, but that that physical reality is so startling and off-putting to him that he'll just run away and steal what he's got, and that's good enough. And that's what you know that last shot summons back to is uh, Hedwig Hansel as kind of this Tommy Gnosis character apologizing to his partner for the trauma he's inflicted. And walking out, exposing his, you know, his inner truth. It's, you know, it's an actually pretty kind of quiet and poignant ending to Very a really so. loud, chaotic, you will fucking, because it, it starts off as like, you will fucking eat this truth, you know, every fucking angry inch yeah. of it. And at the end, it's like, hey, whether you want to or not, I'm walking into the world and just walks the fuck away from us, the audience, into the dark. I thought that was awesome. It's it's the end of the song, man. That's how you end the, it's a great way to end the song. Yeah. What a, what did you make of the band just kind of existing, just being fully in, no character, they're just they're just there to support and rock out. I mean, for me that's what <laughs> I hate to put it this way. But like when you have a charismatic frontman like that, to me that's like that is the part that's true to Hedwig in my opinion. Like yeah, we're never going to be able to know. We're never going to know what everyone else in the band's up to. Like, they don't give a shit. Like, literally, there's a guy who has a kid in every non band scene, like where they're not playing. <laughs> he has a kid. And I'm like, where's the kid? Ju- where does the kid go when they play? Oh, my God. I never put that together. That might have. No, that couldn't have been the jerking off kid or the jerk jerking off prop kid because they weren't a band yet. No, like, or no, they were was- rocking out when when Hedwig put the wig on. So I don't know. But I think what it it kind of it's kind of funny. It plays like one of those Greek courses, right? To just drop in and oh, very much. So. Yeah, I like, thought it was cool. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I like the band. Like the backing band is great because, again, it's just this weird facet of Hedwig's personality almost, and all they do is sort of like I guess presume to look weird because it's clearly his their um, Hedwig's boyfriend or lover is clearly a woman wearing. You know, I, which I, I'm still trying to kind of figure out what the deal is there. Well, we never learn um, from the partner if that's the identity the partner wants right. or if that's what Hedwig exactly. forces. I think I the know. ending is kind of hinting at that that is. And it's weird because that persona, the Brett Michaels versus the, you know, weird Robert Smith, kind of like new metal Robert Smith thing that Tommy Gnosis is, that yeah. maybe that is something Hedwig foisted upon his partner because it's like Could this, be. that would make sense to butch image, but, the opposite of Tommy. Gnosis. But I think that goes even more to the point, like Hedwig's band just existing is what is almost the point of them. Like there's a world where there's a world where you could just say the whole band exists in her head. Like if she's playing bilge waters, maybe she's just playing with a jukebox for all I know. Like, <laughs> see, I take them the, as a thing. 
<laughs> that is a level of, but that's a level of unreliability yeah. I'm willing to entertain. Like, I agree. I think the band is obviously there. Otherwise, that would just be stupid. And, like, really, like, kind of a terrible <laughs> catch-all. Well, they act but, as like, this funny anchor, right? They're almost like us. Yeah. Where it's like, there are just these dudes that are 100% accepting the truth and reality of what's happening. And they right. kind of become this weird, important anchor to the movie. Oh, yeah. that Even though they pop up in these absurd scenes, like the, the trailer park, you know, becoming the stage. They never address it and never act like anything that's happening is strange. Right? And so I it's... think that that becomes like this kind of audience touchstone. Yeah. it's. I, I thought that was cool. Because I, I wonder if there was any like... Hey, maybe these guys should have a song. Maybe these guys should let their voices be heard. I don't know. You I, never know. Would, Stevie B, what do you think? <laughs> if anyone would know, the fucking Stevie B's would know. Uh, before Agreed. we get out, what was your favorite jam? <sighs> Angry Inch, man. That is a fucking banger. That's a fucking banger. I'm going to go with uh, put the pull the wig down from the shelf because I think that one just... Also, it's a see, it like is that awesome, beautiful build, but it just it so yeah. perfectly captures what I love about this flick, man. You know what's interesting? That song reminded me a lot of um, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. Brad might felt it had the vibe of uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light almost. I, oh, don't think that the loaf, the angry I got, loaf. <laughs> yeah, I got heavy loaf vibes. It was it was good. Yeah. I was just why do you think I wafting. chose it number one? Anything that has uh, a <laughs> essence of loaf. <laughs> just, just yeah. wafting, just wafting those loaf, those loaf yeah, notes man. over there. And that's the thing, right? Is again, like you know, I'm just a fucking straight white guy who's had a pretty normal life and a pretty homogenized, like you know, place. But that that mantra, right? I, I put my makeup on, I put the the music on, I'll put the wig on and face the world. I was like, dude, that's like my fucking new life creed. Like you Absolutely. know, on my dark days, I hope that that's what I'm saying. And that's the thing, the transport transportative element of you know come get in someone's headspace that is not like you at all and feel comfortable feel love feel feel warm man this again like sing street this makes me want to fucking rage at the day like there's so much fucking life to live out there it there's just a lot it of fills you with that in energy that. there's so much life in this fucking movie like I, I i describe it as there are movies that that crackle like raiden Right, where it's like there's just electricity pouring from the screen. This is one of them, man. Yep, definitely Lambert crackles. I feel well, maybe not Lambert level, but pretty fucking close. That's it. (laughs) Was he though? Was he? He was definitely someone's uncle cosplaying. Raiden. That's it. (laughs) We're not doing (laughs) Mortal Kombat. That's it for Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, The Inch may be angry. But the podcast is happy that we finally covered this movie. So excited. All right, guys, please take a second. Leave us a rating and review. Please take a second and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please take a second and join our Patreon community. Please take enjoy a second to email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Please take a second to find us on your socials. But more than anything, thank you guys so much for spending time with us. For the Film Love Alchemist, you. I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino.